thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com next time you have an emergency think at med urgent care two locations 1524 atwood avenue johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident, Go to Atman Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. Atman Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, folks, the... Um, situation right now with the airlines i'm not sure what to make of this like everybody else i mean hopefully they're gonna straighten this situation out but this is what they are doing to air travel right now i mean this is just brutal you couldn't travel anyone with in fact those track traveling um between christmas and new year's especially with southwest it was a total nightmare and now you have this, but, you know, over 1,100 flights canceled as they're dealing with these system failures. Mayor Pete, right? This was the guy when he went on maternity leave because his husband had a child or they had a child with a husband, whatever it is. But he he shouldn't be there. He's incompetent. But they that, that's not why they chose him, right? The whole reason he's there has nothing to do with whether or not if he's competent. With the Biden people, it's all just uh, it's it's all just a matter of optics, and and so therefore you don't get the best possible people, you get people that in essence that just you know are able to uh, check a box so to speak. So I want to go through this is um, some of the latest they're working through this, trying to um, r- restore the the problems right now, but th- this is inexcusable. And this falls onto the Biden administration. This is one of the the things that the Republicans in Congress, this is what they should be, in fact, you know, focusing on instead of, in fact, you know, the way they were giving Kevin McCarthy such a hard time. So, and then he did, in fact, become speaker. Let me hear this. Um, again, I, I recognize it's a developing story. 
lines all across the country. Let's take a live look at LaGuardia Airport from our local station, WABC. Trip Fish correspondent Gio Benitez starts us off with the latest on this developing situation. And Gio, there have already been delays. Oh, absolutely, George. We woke up this morning to urgent messages from airline sources because this is a major computer failure at the FAA, and it is impacting flights across the country right now. Now, this is a computer system that provides critical flight safety information to pilots. It's called the Notice to Air Mission Systems, and, and it sends key safety warnings, including bird strikes. And without it, flights from coast to coast, they are delayed right now. Now, here's what we know from the FAA. This is a statement that just came in. The FAA is working to restore its notice to air mission systems. We are performing final validation checks and repopulating the system right now. Now, operations across the national airspace system, they are affected. That's what the FAA says. No word on when this will get fixed, but if it isn't fixed soon, we could be looking at a nationwide ground stop. Robin, that's how critical this system is. I mean, just re ridiculous, folks, and we'll have updates on that as it goes along. Now, to some of the other stories that are out there. Obviously, huge developments in the situation regarding Anna Walsh. Let's bring you the latest I'm now. accused of misleading police, and we're learning disturbing new details about what investigators have found. Trevor Alt has the details. This morning, potential bombshell evidence reportedly found in the investigation for the disappearance of Massachusetts mother Anna Walsh. ABC affiliate WCVB reports investigators discovered a hacksaw and a bloody rug while searching this trash transfer station about 40 miles from the Walsh's home. The canines were in our yard. They looked in that car. The 39-year-old mother of three was last seen in the early hours of New Year's Day, scheduled to take a flight for work that she never made. There's no way Anna would abandon her children or her job. Immediately, I'm like, something is not right. She was reported missing by her employer and her husband, Brian Walsh, who right now is in jail, charged with misleading the investigation, to which he's pleaded not guilty. But prosecutors said they found a bloody knife in the Walsh's basement. Overnight surveillance video newly obtained by WCVB shows Brian Walsh at a juice bar on January 2nd, the day after his wife went missing. The same day, he reportedly spent $450 at a Home Depot on cleaning supplies. Supplies. And he's required to report his whereabouts while awaiting sentencing for art fraud. He um, uh, was very reluctant to uh, admit guilt, and even though there was a, a lot of evidence, he's strung out things a, a long time. Court records show Anna wrote a letter to the judge in that case, praising her husband, saying he brought the family joy and comfort despite having a difficult childhood. And we, of course, can't forget about the couple's three children, three boys between the ages of two and six. They've been taken into the custody of the Department of Children and Families. Robin, we so again, we were um, I was out there again yesterday, folks. He he was uh, he he's gone through extensive uh, medical. He's had a lot of mental health problems, as they say, but he he was basically designated, I believe, a sociopath. So the guy could be violent. He seemingly had no regard for the destruction that he did for family, friends, and his own father. He stole from his father. His father had a stroke. He was stealing from the father. I mean, there's something wrong with the guy. Now then you enter her. I think it was interesting that I saw someone write that this could be a case of like a star is born. Where he met her. She, she cleaned his room, I think, in the Berkshires. That's how they met she was a student she had come here she was near cornell she was from serbia and you know he 
passed himself off that he was from a wealthy family. Now, the mother, the, the family did have money. The father was a neurosurgeon, but he never really, he never made anything of himself. And he seemingly had a lot of psychological problems. So, but in the past couple of years, she has just blossomed in her uh, job in commercial real estate took off. She accepted that job in Washington, D.C., very high paying. I know they said good health benefits. They have the three boys. And meanwhile, what is he doing? He ripped off his father, as I've talked about, $1 million. He was involved with the, the swindling of the art. He was then going to face problems over his father's estate. And I, I actually went by the house in Hull where his father lived. I'll post a photo of that. But this guy has been on the downslope for quite some time. Total sociopath. And the father took him out of the will, said, I wish you the best. But, And then once he, Brian Walsh, was free, I think he was actually even institutionalized. He, or whatever we're calling it these days, he was in a rehab facility of some kind, but for mental health. He, the father said, I, I wish you the best, but like you disregarded me 10 years ago. And now we've also, I, we've learned that apparently while Anna would be in Washington during the week, Brian Walsh's mother would live with him and the boys in Cohasset. I think the mother was even paying for the rental house that they were in. So the mother was trying to take care of him in a way, but who knows like the, the mental uh, state of, of the mother. But so it's not like he's alone in the house taking care of the boys. Uh, I And again, we don't know much about the mother other than look how it seems that on that New Year's Day, when he was getting rid of some of the evidence, he put it in the mother's dumpster where she lives in a luxury apartment uh, complex in Swampscott. So, you know, th this guy has no regard for anyone. But at this point, the discovery, now they seem, now they, they, they have not located a body. Now, it's also, it's a little confusing about, he's on house arrest. He has to report um, when he's going to go somewhere. It's very limited where he can go. He has a type of device. It's more like a radio frequency. So it's not, people think it's a GPS tractor. So they can get a general idea of where he goes. But they may not know exactly where he goes. For it's my understanding in reading about this tracker that's on Brian Walsh was more akin to if he stays out beyond when he's supposed to. So the person that's supposed to monitor that, if he has permission to go pick up his children from school, okay, then he's allowed to do that and he'd be in the general area. If he stopped at a store on the way, um, it wouldn't really kick off anything. And then the only way it would would be if he stayed out longer than he was supposed to. For instance, apparently he left at 3 o'clock on New Year's Day and didn't get back till I think, 8 or 9 o'clock. And they said, boy, that's a, you know, it shouldn't be, it should be maybe a half hour to your mother's house from Co uh, Cohasset to Swampscott. But, and he said, oh, I, I got lost on the way and then I stopped at a Whole Foods and so forth. It, now, we don't know exactly where he went, but it sounds like, now, that was New Year's Day that he was getting rid of some of the stuff. You know, there's also a good point. When's the last time you went and spent $450 on cleaning supplies? 
you know, I've been hearing from landlords that say even when they're, they're that four hundred and fifty dollars on cleaning supplies. Think right now if you went to BJ's or you know Job Lot, anything like that, and wanted to get all these different or Home Depot for that matter cleaning supplies. Would you think you'd spend four hundred fifty dollars in cash? Now we also, you know, he got tarps and drop cloths. We kind of kind of sense what was going on here that he was then wrapping her in that and now it's just a matter of where she may be so much more ahead you're listening to the john DePietro show propane plus in rhode island for all your propane needs call them 401-885-4209 in massachusetts you can reach them at 508-252-3359 propane heating and cooling it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with Propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 thing to the John DePietro show weekdays we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m. 1380 909.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining us right now with the Boston Globe, he is columnist Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, uh, the Boston Globe, as we're speaking, in, in, uh, we'll, we'll talk about, obviously, I, there's a lot I want to talk about. But first thing is this, uh, this outage that, that all flights are grounded. I, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I, I think the last time that happened was, was on September 11th. That's what I, that's exactly what I have in my head right now that I'm thinking that that was probably the last time. And, uh, you know, it, it, this is bizarre. And we're not getting a ton of information no. just yet about you know, exactly what's happening. And you know, usually you'd think that when that kind of thing happens, uh, when you're not getting, when, it, when it's very quiet, you start to think like, oh, maybe there's a national security kind of thing, something like that. Um, but we have no clue yet. And no. to be honest, selfishly, I'm flying to Florida in a couple of days and I'm hoping that I can do that Yeah. still, but, uh, you know, potentially by the time, uh, you know, by this afternoon or something, we might get more and it might, everything, it could just be an actual glitch, but I've never seen anything like this, uh, you know, with, with the airports other than nine 11. And you think, you know, just right after coming off a very turbulent, uh, you know, uh, period with, you know, uh, holiday Christmas to New Year's a nightmare for those people traveling. Complete nightmare. Yeah. We, we, we don't know what it is. I want to start off, if you don't mind. And um, I'll tell you, I love the fact that you were in Johnston, uh, wrote a column being with father and son. I think the new mayor of Johnston, I, I find him very impressive. I, I obviously, I'd like the father a lot, uh, but Joe Policenio Jr., I, I, you know, I, I also, I've seen the wife in court. His wife is a, a public defender. Yep. I, I think, Dan McGowan, you have been, you were with, this is someone to me, at some point, 
he's the governor of the state. Yeah, I mean, I think he certainly, he's not even hiding the fact that he certainly is politically ambitious. Uh, and, you know, you're talking about a 32-year-old guy, lawyer, who, you know, has credibility kind of on both sides of the aisle. He worked for Alan Fung as a Republican, uh, you know, had a more turbulent experience working for Governor McKee, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, but, you know, he, he's a soft, he's a lot different than his dad, right? <laughs> he's soft-spoken, he's sort of, uh, you know, I, I think even he would say, I think even his dad would say, a little more cerebral in the sense like, you know, you're, you're, you're trained as a lawyer, you know, sure. you, you kind of think things can be resolved without fighting. They use the, the, the uh, example of, you know, senior, somebody who jumps over a desk at everything. Uh, but I'll tell you, and something that didn't quite make the final cut of my column, but what is really interesting to, to just paint a kind of a, a real difference between the two. Um, back when Amazon, you know, when that big, uh, when all the negotiations were going on over Amazon coming to Johnston, yeah. there, there was a moment where the mayor, where, where Mayor Policina Senior was kind of so frustrated with spe- uh, specifically Stephen Cryer, the Commerce Secretary at the time, that they they sort of stopped talking, uh, and and Junior kind of stepped in and said, "Hey, let's let's resolve this. Let's you know get down you know on paper exactly what we want." And you know the the. The narrative had always been, oh, this, you know, this is a win for everybody, but that got rocky for a while. And at least, you know, what what Mayor uh, Policina Senior says is that it was Joe Junior who got that thing kind of back on track. So it shows you he's a guy who I think isn't overly emotional, but is also somebody who you know understands we're not going to let you know big things fall apart because I don't like you or right. because you know because of you know silly kind of petty. Um, uh, beefs. And, and, and what's interesting where that segues into is Governor Dan McKee, a no-show at, yes. at the inauguration ceremony. And then, you know, in, in the fashion that the Palestinians do uh, understand very well, they sat Helena Folks right on stage alongside all the mayors. Wow. Uh, to, you know, and, and that was, let me tell you something, John, you know, those those swearing in ceremonies, you know how these things can be. They're boring. It's you know, it's a lot of the same old, same old. That room, five, six hundred people in the room. I'm my phone lit up with wow. both elected officials. People on the stage were texting me oh. saying, "Do you believe this?" Uh, and, and and everybody took notice that that Governor McKee wasn't there, and that Helena folks uh, was right there alongside everybody else. And, and why is that, Jim? Other than I'm pretty sure Ashley Kalis won Johnston. She did win Johnston. Uh, you know, I think I heard about this last spring, in fact. Yes. Uh, and there was a real uh, kind of falling out between the Policinos and yep. Governor McKee that, you know, I, I think probably in some ways because he didn't think, because I think Policina Senior didn't think Ashley Kalis could win the race. Uh, you know, they kind of came back home in the general election. They were, right. you know, they endorsed Governor McKee. But, you know, there was a falling out. There are two kind of factors there. One was Policina Jr. was working for Governor McKee and, uh, you know, wanted to run for mayor. And there were some disagreements, I think, in, in, internally just about, you know, what his role was for the governor. Uh, he was not planning to leave the, the, the administration as early as he did. Remember, he had no no serious primary. I mean, this was right. not a 
you know, it wasn't like he had to spend the summer, like, uh, let's say, Brett Smiley, you know, actually running a campaign all, you know, the entire, every day, 24 hours a day. Um, and then, and then I think the other, I think the other factor, well, so, so there's, yeah, so I think Policina, you know, junior there, and then uh, Policina Sr.'s challenge or issue, I mean, he's been very public about this, is he thought the governor had kind of moved a little too far to the left. Yes. Um, and he was very frustrated. He gave a quote to me and my column where he said, he'll never leave the Democratic Party. He'd rather fight with all the progressives. Yeah, I love that. Uh, uh, which is a funny, which is a very funny line. But that was, you know, to be honest with you, I thought that was kind of a, you know, oh, late spring, early summer kind of fight that will go away. Right. You know, this thing has held on. Wow. And let's be clear. You know, Governor, this was not Governor McKee had something suddenly came up. He was invited to the inauguration. He was the only one of the statewide officials wow. uh, who, who, who didn't RSVP. Everybody else said, look, you know, Cicilline and Magazine were in Washington. In fact, I was in the room interviewing oh. them when Seth, Seth Magaziner called both of them back to the oh. house. Uh, and so, you know, everybody was calling. He was the only one that did not SVP. And then there was still some thought, oh, of course he's going to show up. You know, he's a, he's a mayor's guy. Even if he doesn't like the mayor, he's a mayor's guy. Uh, but he, he no-showed. And then right on stage, Helena Folks. Well, Dan McGowan, and again, folks, speaking of Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe, Dan McGowan, I, number one, I think that speaks volumes of, of uh, Governor McKee, where his mindset is right now. And it, I think it's consistent with the, the individual. I think it was really interesting, the Helena Folks thing on stage. And then you see in the photo, there's also uh, Attorney General Peter Narona. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, um, you and I had talked about Josh Saul. Uh, you tell me, uh, Housing Secretary, it, I, it doesn't seem to matter of if. I'm getting the sense that this could be a matter of when that there's a change. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of that I would say potentially saves his job to some degree is I think Governor McKee's got this challenge right now where he's want, he needs to get a lot of directors uh, through the Senate confirmation process. No, there's no one controversial, so he should be able to do that. But there is an element of, you know, I, I think he's the type of per- the, the governor is the kind of person that's going to say, this is my guy. And, you know, let's let him see it through. The problem is, is that 
the guy continues to step in it. You know, my colleague Alexa Gagas has been covering yeah. this the whole way. And sometimes you say, okay, you know, you, you filed a report late or you, you know, so you could, you could argue that these things, you know, are relatively minor in the grand scheme of things, except for the fact that this isn't just, you know, uh, a reporter or a couple of, a couple of reporters who are, you know, angry or, you know, pushy at, this housing secretary i mean you've got the speaker of the house never you know picks a fight with anybody uh at least not publicly and speaker shikarchi has been very critical uh we obviously know senate president rogerio has been critical and so it, it does feel like the clock is really ticking on this guy's you know career but again i hold out a little bit of just the caveat i guess i would say is sometimes the governor kind of looks at this and says I don't know anybody else who's going to really want this job and right. who's going to listen to me and kind of, you know, is going to be willing to, um, you know, follow this. The challenge is people always say, you know, even I think a lot of the calls that Alexa is getting is, you know, how come you didn't put one of the, you know, the executive directors of any of these, like, you know, the big nonprofits in the state. And I think the answer to some degree is, the, the thing is, is that they, there may be more qualified people, but are there people who are willing to, you know, play the bureaucratic game, you know, right. listen to the governor? Because it, the governor certainly doesn't want to put somebody in there who's going to say, yeah, we're not doing enough. This is terrible. No, that, they want someone to defend the administration even more than solve the housing problem. Dan McGowan, and, and also, I believe, uh, are we going to start to see state house? General Assembly now start to get some oversight into, uh, again, I look at this somewhat, somewhat as a self-inflicted wound with the McKee administration, because it's it's not like they, they don't have any money to spend. It's just a matter of where, seemingly where the money's going. Yeah, I think you are. I mean, the challenge with the with the with both the, there's a House and there's a Senate oversight committees. And, you know, I would, I would say that their records over the last couple of years, I would argue, is pretty spotty. So in some cases... You know, at the time for, for, for the last couple of years, he's no longer the chair, but for the last couple of years on the Senate side, you had Lou De Palma, pretty straight shooter, but would sometimes get really bogged down with, you know, some of those Providence schools oversight hearings. They became really, you know, here's the, what the union is telling me and let me ask all these questions. I think similarly on the House side, you know, sometimes they have really good kind of accountability hearings. I think back to when they were really, you know, holding uh, Governor Raimondo accountable over that, the transit, uh, I think it was the MTM transit, things like that. But then sometimes personalities kind of get in the way and it becomes, you know, a little bit of a debacle. So it's going to be interesting to see how these oversight committees kind of handle, particularly, I think, that the housing situation, I would think the Providence School situation as well. Um, because, you know, what, what you want them to do is actually hold the governor to account. What you don't want to see is this just become kind of a political fight because then the governor kind of wins. The governor gets to say, no, 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 you know, this is ridiculous. These people are just out to get me. Um, and, and, and so, you know, if, if, if it goes that way, you know, that route, that's where you'll see him double down, I think. Uh, so I'm kind of waiting to see how the two committees are going to really handle this. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dave McGowan of the Boston Globe. And and by the way, the Boston Globe has tremendous coverage on, I mean, it seems like the, the Patriots, uh, a lot of coverage on the fact the Patriots seemingly that the Crafts and uh, Bill Belichick need to make some adjustments. There's also remarkable coverage, and I saw some of your colleagues 
uh, regarding the Cohasset missing woman. I was going to say, case. we're just chasing you on Cohasset. <laughs> you're everywhere. <laughs> Anna Walsh and uh, Brian Walsh, remarkable, especially the Globe. Uh, I've read every word. I've been reading everything they do in the background. But Dan McGowan, I want to come back to the Governor McKee a moment. Just um, he, he's keeping a very low profile. I mean, I know the year just started, but he won the election really quiet, uh, out of sight, except for obviously the problem with the homeless people in the front part of the state house. Then he had the inauguration and now they've just announced, I mean, I, I know Olivia DeRoche. I'm happy for her. I sent her a, a note, but I don't understand, and I'm not being critical, but he, he has a communication problem and he, he again hired a, another television person who really smart. And I, I see around in stories and so forth, but she, she has no experience with this. Yeah, and this is a job. The, the the hard part about the the communications role and for listeners, I think sometimes you think you know a lot of people just think, oh well, all their job is to do is to you know uh, you know shield the public or you know protect their guy. To some degree, it is true that their job is to protect you know the the principal, whoever it is, mayor, governor, whatever. But I think you're right when it comes to you know the the skilled communications people and you look at over the years who you know who Ramondo had and going back you know Link Chafee had Chris Hunsinger who was somebody who you know understood how to yes. uh, you know how to craft a story how to craft a narrative and I think when you're new in these jobs it's very difficult you know yes you can communicate because yes you've been on camera or yes you've you know been in print if you came from let's say the Journal of the Globe but it, actually coming up with the narrative and the and, and explaining yourself and being willing to i think the thing that governor mckee has to, to my knowledge I, I think has struggled with ever since he took office is he doesn't have anybody in the room to say here's what the other side looks at and thinks about this right, right. He, you know you, you say you're gonna do x well the way i hear that is you know you're you're failing or, or something like that he gets a, he puts a lot of people around him who tell him what he what he wants to hear. A yep. lot of young people who have you know who who again are really thankful. I mean, you got to think about this: the job, the, the difference between what a young reporter makes salary wise and what a communications person makes. I am telling you, you know, we're we're talking about double the salary, double the salary at least yes. at least. Um, and so. If you're somebody who for the first time in your life as a, as a young reporter, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, you know, if you're suddenly making hundred, $110,000 a year uh, and you were before, you know, couldn't make the rent, uh, it is really hard to go to your boss and say, hey, I think you're wrong here, right? You want the gravy train to roll. Uh, it, is, it is only natural. And, and I think until you get really comfortable and sort of willing to do that, it, you know, it, it, I think it's going to continue to be his challenge. And Governor McKee, I mean, every week you and I talk about Governor McKee, he still has not done a particularly uh, large amount of public interviews. Uh, you know, he did the thing with the journal. He did the one with uh, the radio right after he got elected. But that's it. You know, yeah. um, we keep asking others. I know keep asking. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're heading into next week. Next week is his budget. State of the state. Adri- or probably just the budget address, I assume. Um, and it's time to figure out what exactly he's trying to, you know, what, what his vision is here. Uh, and he hasn't done it through, through the press at all. 
No, and I, I this is my opinion. I, I don't, he doesn't enjoy a good relationship with the press. I mean, he's obviously at odds with you guys. He's odds at Channel Twelve. Uh, not that anyone's done anything wrong, but I, I don't know. And then you know to give these speeches of this is our moment and keep the, everything else. I, I think it's, it's a new person put in a very difficult situation. I go back to your colleague Ed Fitzpatrick with that famous podcast. That's still one of my favorite parts of the campaign season. But Alana Cerrone, I, that, that wasn't really her fault. I know she took a lot of heat for that, but um, he could have handled it a lot differently. Folks, there's also a good piece. It's interesting, uh, Dan McGowan, you included roadmap about Megan Hughes, the president of CCRI. I know that Governor Mundo was very high on her. And I noticed she seemed to get like a little more exposure when Governor Mundo was the governor. But she's, she's obviously looked upon very favorably. This is very prestigious, what she's been added to. Yeah, she's been added to the board at the Boston Fed, which is, you know, one of the most powerful, uh, you know, kind of business and banking related boards in the country. I mean, you can't get much higher than being on the Fed board. Um, and, and so uh, and she's the only Rhode Island, uh, you know, the only Rhode Island kind of representative of that nine member board and essentially oversees New England. Um, and so it's prestigious, and you're right. The thing about her is that Megan Hughes, uh, I, I think you hit it on the head. Gina Raimondo hired her, and uh, they they hit it off. They were kind of on the same wavelength as as thinkers and as um, you know people who are willing to have. Look, there are lots of folks at CCRI, particularly faculty, who uh, do not love. Uh, you know, Megan Hughes, they, they, right. you know, they think she's changed a lot, you know, a lot of programs, you know, she's ruffled feathers over there, but talk about somebody who has, I think, revamped that college, yeah. um, who, ha- you know, helped to whether, whatever you think of uh, the, the promised scholarship program, you know what she, now it's not something, now it's just second nature uh, a couple of years later. They're not, they're never going to cut it now. It's, you know, uh, was able to get that through. She's also on the, the chair of the cha- Chamber of Commerce uh, Board of Directors in Providence. Wow. I've always thought, and I, I ask her, you know, every other time I see her, I feel like I say, hey, any chance you'll you'll run for office someday? Huh. Um, you know, I've always thought she could be somebody who would be, you know, in that realm of the Gina, the Helena folks, kind of right. pro-business Democrat. Uh, you know, you'd have the educational background. I've always thought that she could potentially do that. It's uh, um, she's always she always brushes it off and she says you're the only person who you know who asks this. But when you're when you're joining all these elite boards, right. um, you know there, there's only a couple of, of things that's happening, right? It's one is potentially you're trying to raise your profile for political office, or two, and this is could be reasonable too. Uh, she would be an excellent president of Rick. Uh, yes, that's be, what I was going to say. I'd give her Rhode Island College. I've always thought that that should be something that that should be considered. Now, you you mentioned something just at the beginning of this conversation that is something to watch. She is not Governor McKee's person, um, and and while they, I don't think they they don't you know dis, dislike one another. That's always a red flag for me with this administration. I think, you know, when, when he does, when, when he, when, when, when you're seen as a Gina person, when you're seen as somebody else's guy or girl, um, I think, I think it's really hard, but look, Rick has a lot of challenges, as you know, and I've written about, uh, they could use somebody like a Megan Hughes to really come in and kind of whip things into shape. Imagine and so forth. One, one note I want to leave on Dave McGowan before we talk about roadmap, it's just, 
you know, it's it still baffles me that uh, New England Tech. That's a for-profit college. It's also really expensive yeah. for kids that want to take courses. For the life of me, I don't understand. And one time I did have a conversation with Governor Raimondo that when she had a, a governor come in, and I think in Kentucky, the, the free, you know, promise, scholarship, whatever it is, that's for the technical part, what Rhode Island really needs. So if you want to go in and learn the trades, which a lot of kids coming out of Rhode Island High School, that's not a bad decision. They have to pay a lot of money to go into New England. Tech. Right. I have no idea why it would make so much more sense if you could go to like a CCRI or Rhode Island College if they had that free element of the technical training. So I, I don't know what to make of that. It's kind of built differently. Um, kids go to CCRI. What are they taking a philosophy class when they're, they can't even do, you know, a lesson well, for this, English. It makes John, no sense at all. You're and not to, you know, for listeners into the, you know, higher education talk, but this is a, exactly the conversation that I think has been happening at CCRI and needs to happen at Rick as well, which is you have to move. And, and again, I think CCRI has done better than Rick at this. You have to move your higher ed, um, you know, philosophy into a place of, you know, where are people going to be able to get work afterwards, right? Yes. And, and I think yeah. this is why at Rick, you're, you're starting to see some of the programs are being cut. Some of these, you know, things that are the kind of a liberal arts education things. Again, it makes professors crazy because they would say you need a well-rounded student. I get all of that. But the truth is we need more students to graduate from there and from CCRI and that are ready to whether it's work at Electric Boat or, you know, work at any of these places that have jobs available right now, good paying jobs. Um, and and I th- again, I think Megan Hughes has done a pretty good job trying to push in that direction. I think Rick needs to do a much better job. Well, again, I uh, mention this all the time. Weekdays, I start my morning. I read Roadmap. I was delighted to see from my alma mater, Xavier Trust, another Hendrickson guy with the uh, national championship with Georgia. You know, what a brilliant decision he made in deciding to go to Georgia. I remember speaking to people at the school the day that he, signing day, decided to go there because there was interest in him from uh, Michigan and also from Alabama. He could have gone anywhere, actually. And then also the the scoop on uh, Megan Hughes and a lot more. Dan McGowan, it's a new year. If you'd be so kind to extend the offer for anyone that's listening, folks, it arrives in your inbox. It's F-R-E-E, which means it's for me and everyone in Rhode Island, and you could start getting Roadmap tomorrow. (laughs) I like that. Free for you and everybody in Rhode Island. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, folks, and here's another thing I'll say. Over the over the years or over the last year and a half that I've been able to promote this, uh, you know, roadmap every day, I think occasionally I'll get emails from people who say, I signed up, but then I stopped getting it. Here's what I'd say. We fixed our system pretty well. So if you don't get it and you've tried before, try it again. Shoot me an email, blank email to rinews at globe.com. RINews at globe.com. I will sign you up. You will start getting it first thing tomorrow morning, and you'll get it every weekday uh, for as long as I'm alive. <laughs> Folks, he is Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe. Again, Dan, I really enjoyed your column with uh, the, the Johnson politics and the mayor. Great job, as always. We'll talk to you again. Keep up the good work, John. Thanks so much. See you. Thank you, Dan. The Kui sit in. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner 
or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. I want to play, we're following the uh, the other story, one of the other stories that we're following. We're obviously following a lot of them. If you want to see some of the live stream that we are doing, I'm, I I just want to update people. They are saying that the FAA normal air traffic are slowly, gradually are going to supposedly resume. They're looking into the, the cause of it. But it is, um, there's still seemingly a lot of flights out there. All flights are asked to stay on the ground. But it's, um, I also want to report the police confirm that the family dog is with them. So apparently the do- the police have the, the family dog. So I, I know people have been asking me that, which is amazing. I, I also saw on social media, she got another new dog, but I don't even want to open that up for fear that then people start asking, where are both dogs? All right, I want to get to... Um, Boy, those storms in California are unbelievable. I've seen some of the coverage on it. I mean, I know it, it normally, those that are familiar with Southern California, it's, it's, uh, it does rain in January, but nothing like, like this. It's, it's very, very dramatic, the amount of uh, rain that they've had. Now, let me, uh, let's see. The situation regarding the Idaho murder. Here we go. October, the suspect is due in court tomorrow. Students return to classes and investigators share new details about what he was doing before his arrest. Mola Lange joins with the details. Good morning, Mola. Well, good morning, George. Those new details are shedding light on how investigators say they were able to link Koberger, the 28-year-old PhD student, directly to the crime scene and the murder weapon. This morning, as the suspect accused of murdering four University of Iowa students prepares to head back to court, new details emerging about Brian Koberger's actions before his arrest. ABC News learning from a law enforcement source that federal investigators observed him in Pennsylvania around 4 a.m. as he discarded garbage in his neighbor's trash bin just days before his arrest. Trash ending up being key in the case. Police linking Koberger to the murders by collecting his father's DNA from trash outside the family home and matching that to DNA they say they discovered on the button snap of a knife sheath that was on the bed next to the body of victim Madison Mogan. If I had one or two words to describe Maddie May, it would be just an angel and that she was, she just made me proud. Ben Mogan speaking about his daughter Madison to ABC News and describing the moment law enforcement told him they'd made an arrest in the case. And he said, Ben, this is the day that we've been waiting for. Ben also describing his emotions while reading the evidence law enforcement say they had gathered against Koberger. I just, I broke down and I just, uh, I just cried. I could only take so much of that and I just, uh, I, I cried. I still haven't read the rest of it. The police affidavit claiming investigators believe the four college students were killed between 4 a.m. and 4.25 a.m. They say one of the surviving roommates was awake at the time of the murders and told police she witnessed the intruder seeing a masked man coming toward her before he walked out through a sliding glass door, the roommate then locking her door. Police say later that morning, the two surviving roommates called friends to the house because they thought one of the victims had simply passed out and wasn't waking up. 
The 911 call finally coming around noon. Officials say the two surviving roommates are not suspects. Overnight, Kaylee Gonsalves' sister, Olivia, saying Kaylee and Madison did everything right that night. They went out together. They called for a ride. They went to a known establishment. They did everything you would want your daughter or your sister to do in that situation. You're supposed to grow up together. That's your God-given best friend. And so we're left with not only missing them and exactly who they were, but wondering who they were going to become. Oh, boy, folks, in this uh, 2023, I mean, we're already dealing with, um, I mean, two very high-profile, brutal, well, several brutal murders. The four students, granted, that happened in November, but they didn't you know, catch him until it's all the details are still coming out on that. And then obviously the situation with Anna Walsh that does not, it certainly doesn't sound good. Um, and, and right now, you know, we, we don't know where things stand with, they were searching another area yesterday, but apparently they, they came up short. So, now, I think this is interesting. We will talk with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, coming up uh, tomorrow. But I think, like right now, do they do would they have enough to charge him with murder and based, based on what they had? I like some of the quotes about Brian Walsh. He assumed a mantle of entitlement. He sounds like, and he was, he was diagnosed as a, a sociopath. So uh, his complete absolutely complete disregard for everyone around him a rug containing evidence believed to be human tissue and blood was recovered along with a hatchet and a hacksaw now that was the stuff that i believe that he dumped on new year's day and then he went to the home depot on new year's day and then seemingly you know then got the part of the tools he needed in order to um you know then whatever he I hate to say that, but it, it is true. But whatever he did with, whatever he did with the body, um, and then she has, you know, that that becomes a big question. Let me hear. This is uh, Fox 25 in Boston. They've done a good job on this. I think we have some sound on this. We we do have some sound on this. Here we go. Whereabouts in the days after Anna was last seen. Anchor and investigative reporter Kerry Cavanaugh continues our team coverage now, piecing together where investigators believe he was and what he was doing. New Year's week. Brian Walsh reported his wife missing to police Wednesday, January 4th, the same day as Anna Walsh's employer. Walsh allegedly told investigators that on New Year's Day, he got up around 7 a.m. He claims around then his wife Anna kissed him goodbye and headed to Logan Airport for her flight to D.C. But according to investigators from there, his stories weren't adding up. Due to Brian Walsh's house arrest and a GPS tracker from another criminal case, investigators say he requested various leaves for the week of January 1st during the morning and afternoon hours to drop and pick up his kids from school. Investigators say his cell phone was detected in Brockton and Abington during that week, but he had not obtained permission to be in either town. On Sunday, January 1st, they say Walsh, who lives in Cohasset, requested travel between 3 and 9 p.m. to take his mom back to her Swampscott home. But he claimed he got lost and took an unusual route. On Monday, January 2nd, there was no school because of the holiday. 
But investigators say Walsh was seen on video at the Home Depot in Rockland wearing a black surgical mask and blue surgical gloves, making a cash transaction. We now know he purchased hundreds of dollars in cleaning supplies. He also requested time to go shopping midday on January 4th. But police didn't specify his alleged whereabouts on that day, other than when they questioned him at home that night. We know police have been searching the trail that trash would have taken from Swampscott dumpsters to a trash site in Peabody, locating key evidence tied to the disappearance of Anna Walsh. On Sunday, we know Walsh was under arrest at the Cohasset Police Department, charged with misleading an investigation. And he faced a judge on Monday and was ordered held on $500,000 bail. For 25 Investigates, I'm Carrie Cavanaugh. You know, what's interesting is as I'm listening to that, I'm pretty sure that on New Year's Day, he said he couldn't find his cell phone. And then he said he found it, one of his kids had taken and put it under their pillow. So they were able to track him because of the cell phone. And then, then they were questioning him like where he went. But if that's the case, then see the, the key piece here, folks, and again, you're listening to the John DePietro show, the, the key element here is where was he? So he went to the Home Depot um, on January 2nd, right? New Year's Day is a Sunday, New Year's Eve, Saturday, New Year's Day, Sunday, Monday, January 2nd, Brian Walsh goes to the Home Depot in Rockland, approximately four o'clock. So the question to me is, where was he Monday night, January 2nd, and Tuesday, January 3rd? Now, if he is able to go in and out, and it almost sounds, I, I hate to, but it's almost like an honor system a little bit. He's supposed to ask for permission, and if he wanders off, but then you just want, that's the key piece that's missing here. Where did he go? that monday night and if he was going online and researching how to do some of this stuff which it sounds like he was doing that's what may you know we don't know there's as i've said you know there's a lot of water around there but i've never googled what do you do how do you get rid of someone so we don't know if there's something about that with the the dumpsters or it's tough to tell where did he travel that monday and into tuesday we also don't know I'm going to say like that Monday night overnight. And I'm just trying to, if you were going to do this, right, wouldn't you, you'd wait till like 11 o'clock midnight. It's dark out, not a lot of people out. Go do whatever you, he's really, I hate to say that, but getting rid of the, the wife's body. But I think it, it also, I, I don't think you wait till Tuesday, but who knows with this guy. I think you then just do it the Monday night. And then Tuesday spends cleaning. And then Wednesday he's ready to report that, that she's missing. All right, much more ahead. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Remain healthy. Stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401 305 3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's my health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection, vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skin care. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. 
There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401-305-3585, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, dePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com. Falcon Pest Services, 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service, right, Jim? Yes. And 24-hour. for right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil. Yes, we have budget plans. We have. Uh, we also take state. Uh, we take state heating assistance. 
we belong to every city and towns uh community action groups we've participated with that for 20 years we're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s it's not solar but you can help people save money on their electricity yes uh if they're a commercial customer and they're with the grid uh local utility we can also uh provide them with electricity and also commercial natural gas for uh right to their business 